In 2016, a new Arrowverse show premiered on The CW. Featuring characters from The Flash and Arrow, it existed in their shadows quietly. However, it has since gained popularity and brought the three of us together to discuss the characters and their progression from season one. Definitely don't call us heroes. We are the legends of next week. So that was, that was the intro. Um, shall we get started? Let's do so. Hi, my name is Mary. My pronouns are she, her, and I'll be one of your hosts for The Legends of Next Week. I am Eden, also pronouns she, her. I'm also your host for Legends of Next Week. My name is Kate. My pronouns are she, her, and I am the third fool rounding up this beautiful band of hosts. All right. Thank you, everyone, who's tuned into our podcast. So this podcast has gotten started out of a love for Legends of Tomorrow and what that's meant for us since it premiered. So we thought it'd be fun to just kind of get started and talk about our own individual relationship with the show. I'll go first. I remember, uh, so Legends of Tomorrow premiered near um, mid-spring of 2016. It was, it was January 2016, if I remember correctly. Thank you, Kate. Kate is our historian for Arrowverse, so that will be come in handy as we listen. But I remember going to a movie theater in late 2015. You know when you go to the movie theater and there's they're always advertising some terrible TV show that has somebody famous in it, but nobody cares about? It's always something weird on Prime. It really is. Yeah, it is, usually. Well, they had a whole spot on Legends. <laughs> Um, because I guess they were like, nobody's going to watch this. As, as we know, CW doesn't make any money. But I remembered seeing it, and that was my last year in high school. So I didn't actually watch Legends until the entire show had premiered. And then I binged it all in my dorm room at college and just kept watching from there. All right. Who'd like to go next? I'll go next. Um, I actually started with The Flash and fell in love with good old Leonard Snart. I found mm. out Wentworth Miller was going to be in another show and I decided to follow. So I've been watching since day one. Friend and of the podcast, Leonard Snart. Yes. Oh, we, love, we love our Leonard Snart. And I think I'm the f- one who's been there since kind of the beginning of Legends. So, yay. <laughs> okay. So, um, yeah, much like Eden, um, I was, I was in the Flash, the Flash, I was in the Arrow at the time, and I remember seeing, it, it was in May 2015, I'm, I'm very precise about that, I don't know why, but I saw they had the first promo for Legends of Tomorrow in case the Flash hadn't got its second season, which it did, good for it's that. crazy to think about. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we never would have, yeah, things have been so much different, but, um, I was so I was I remember I thought it was gonna come out in the fall that year and it didn't. So I was like, oh man, I gotta wait longer. And then it came out in January and I was super excited and I was just always hyped up. And that's how I got into it. Okay, that's awesome. So yeah. As podcast has gotten started, just born out of our love for legends. Shenanigans. <laughs> Which is the main theme of Legends. Shenanigans. Yeah, fun note about all of us is we all met in our lovely little server. 
Uh, we all have our Discord server, which is how we all met each other. Actually, I remember I met Kate through Tumblr. Yes. During, right at the end of season two, which was very funny. We had a mutual friend. But this will come really? in handy when we talk about season two oh, and yes. the excitement of that. <laughs> yeah, kind of just like our main focus of this podcast is um, we're, all, we're all queer in some way. And we wanted to look back on Legends. It's had such an impact on us and not only how we consume our media, but just how it's kind of helped us with our own identities throughout time. And that's not to say Legends is a perfect show. We're going to try and break down each episode mm-hmm. with this podcast. So we'll be starting with both pilot episodes today. But I just want to kind of take a retrospective look back. As of this recording, Legends Season 7 wrapped up exactly a week ago. Hoping we for are. Season 8? <laughs> Hoping for Season 8. Prayer circle for Season, season 8, people. Season 7 dropping soon on your streaming services? Yes. Tomorrow. Uh, it is dropping tomorrow for us as of this recording, so that's what we'll be doing. So we wanted to look back on see how this show has, for better and for worse, evolved. I changed super, yeah, and changed programming. So we wanted to get started in talking about the pilot, and since the pilot is split into two parts and it's kind of just one continuous story, let's all look back at the characters of our first Legends team because wow, it has changed. So the first person that we meet who's a legend is our good friend, Rip Hunter. We, and also we do love that it's Arthur Darville playing a time traveler again. Which is always fun because Doctor Who. One of the things I'll enjoy about legends is constant references to people's other work. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Season one, I remember... Sorry, season one of them was absolutely littered with references. I don't think you could go an episode without throwing a shoe and hitting a reference. I do have a favorite one. We'll, we'll get there when that episode happens. Yes, I think I know what that one is too. So we have our good friend Rip Hunter talking to the Time Masters, looking for help after his wife and son got fridged by Vandal Savage. R.I.P. Miranda and Jonas. Yeah, go ahead. I, I would like to say, though, um, Jonas Hunter going and spitting in Vandal Savage's face before Savage marks him. What a way to go out, kid. What a way, it's, you should have Yeah, was he like died. seven? Something like, he's, he's a, he's a, well, he's a child. He's definitely younger than 10. I'm not good at ages. That kid is, he, is a legend. He is. He is a legend. He, he was the been first on legend. Legends. Yes, he was. We can't mention Rip Hunter without bringing up our favorite AI, Gideon, played by Amy Louise Pemberton. Wow, she is amazing. Fun note, her voice was higher in this. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. If you Mm -hmm. look back on the pilot, Amy's voice is different. It really is. Um, Not to mention Supernatural. Forgive us, we're going to (laughs) We have to bleep that out. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny when to bleep things randomly but it's like in supernatural their voices changed so much throughout the seasons amy's voice is a lot higher and almost like i like, forgot it was amy to be honest yeah it doesn't sound as i think it sounds more robotic than it does in later seasons yeah it could be that her humanity as seasons go on help that and also just the and just also just the actress kind of finding the natural fit yes but i feel like that came along 
was a lot of them really finding the natural character and their fit. I mean, you can see that with the other era of our shows where we see the legends previously, they're very, it's different characters and partially that's due to development over time, but also kind of actors starting to get into their characters more and find that natural groove. Because I wonder um, specifically Gideon isn't necessarily a character so much in season one. She is, but she gets more character as the season goes on. But I wonder like how much she develops so much throughout later seasons that it's jarring for this time for her to just be the computer. Yeah, I think uh, the 100th episode really explains a lot of how that evolves. And we'll get to that when that episode comes up. Yeah, so we'll be focusing on episodes each individual episode as the seasons go on but we'll be referencing other seasons just as we go along because why not and but part of the other thing that I want to talk about with Rip and Gideon is the Wave Rider and that cardboard set that they have this show looks cheap like I know it's the CW but they had no money for this. Listen, they had two successful Arrowverse shows going at the time. They were looking into at this point Supergirl wasn't on the CW but you knew they were looking to get it. And they're like, "You know what? We you know what? You just have all our extras." And you could tell cuz of how many times the ship broke. Here's the question, was it actually the set glitching or was it meant to happen? <laughs> Yeah, that was the fun fact of me seeing the same roof from the original episode where Vandal is introduced to when they end up. And I'm like, wait, isn't this the same roof? Yeah, the cross, the pre-crossover, like the backdoor pilot for Legends was the Flash Arrow crossover. And yeah, we think it's the same roof. They all be, we don't, the CW never had any money. Let's be clear. Fun fact, most of those, uh, outside stuff also shared um interiors with supernatural like a lot of them (laughs) that comes with listen i mean i can understand if you're a network if you're a network and you're looking to try and make money i mean sometimes you can re reutilize stuff that psychiatric place used a lot yes definitely it's funny if you ever look in if you've ever watched like the legends gag reels or any of their behind the scenes footage you know that like they're little i don't know what you would call them they're like little roller coaster seats that they strap into in order to time travel those things are cart thank you (laughs) thank you they (laughs) are just cardboard in the sets they are constantly falling off any of the jail cells are not actual metal. It's just plastic. Wow, we had so much money. Who's money? Who's money? <laughs> I would say they gave it to the Flash, but how much money did the Flash have in season two? Let, let's not lie, it went to Supernatural. Have you seen? Have again. you guys ever seen that picture of the of the Supernatural like wardrobe department? It's just the same flannel. <laughs> Shirt five hundred times. We, we could also it. discuss of how sure. many of these characters wore the same outfit throughout the whole entire time, including we probably need to Get back on track into the episode, but I know. Um, Speaking of outfits, someone in a super suit is our next uh, 
character that we introduced, Rip tells Gideon that they need to recruit a team for a super secret mission. And the first one that we meet outside of Rip Hunter is Dr. Ray Palmer. There should oh yeah, you did say Doctor. <laughs> but we know, yeah, um, we know Dr. Palmer from Arrow. Yes, we do. And we see him have his resurrection in Arrow. Well, okay, well, maybe I shouldn't say resurrection, but his um he grows back to normal size. And it was a real throwback to me because I totally forgot about Hyde in season four when we were watching that. I we totally don't talk about season about- four. We I think we'd like to forget <laughs> season four. Well, Arrow, ha- Arrow just went from season three to season five. Anyway, but um, I, I do love how um, you see how Rage is out, is in the computer just, and just absolutely bust out of that thing. Like we all wanted um, something to happen in a certain movie belonging to a different franchise that I will not mention. Oh, you can mention other franchises. Yeah, we, we will allow it. Because it, when we rewatched the Flash Arrow crossover, which are Legends of Yesterday and Legends of Today, haha, uh, when they get to like their safe house to hunt Vandal Savage, when they get out of this car, Thea says, wow, a bunch of superheroes in a farmhouse. I've never seen this movie before, which automatically dates this because... Ultron had come out oh, I don't remember Arrow must have premiered oh around that God. same time in January or even earlier because Ult- Age of Ultron had come out summer of 2015 and this is January around that same time and, yeah. and we all remember the Barton family had a farm yeah so. Hawkeye's family farm um, this is just again my mentioning of Thea um, I love Thea, and that's all I'll say about Arrow. The only thing Arrow ever gave us was Thea. They also gave <laughs> us the cool weapons, but we'll, we'll get You know what? Arrow, Arrow gave us Ray too, though. That's you know, true. Arrow did give us Ray, and it's about Sarah. Sarah's probably the only other thing that Arrow gave us that's worth talking about. I, we uh, have honestly. We open in on her in Tibet, and I do love how the intro is um, former League of Assassin. Also, formerly dead, as if we didn't all need. I mean, it's good for those who were watching Arrow to have that reminder, but still, it's just like that gets your attention. Formerly dead. Well, it's funny because when they announced Legends and they announced who would be in it, they had not brought Sarah back on Let Arrow yet. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole like episode with the Lazarus Pit and John Constantine had not aired. And so people were very confused as to why she was cast in this show before they announced that it was Sarah. Also, our first mention of John Constantine. Oh, he will come back like mold on a tree or something. He just is insidious that way. But yes, we have Sarah in Tibet. Again, Sarah, completely different place than when we see her later, which makes sense because Sarah's been actually dead and she's just trying to find herself after being assassin for so long yes free uh just out of the league of assassins she gets kidnapped uh we later see her with laurel in this episode and it's real sad because when that aired it's fun looking back on it fun is not the right word but when this episode (laughs) aired um laurel was dead four episodes later on arrow 
gosh. Thank you, Damien Dark. Seriously. Uh, we'll talk about Damien Dark later. Bye. Anyway, then after. We don't talk about. Yeah. You know how they don't talk about Bruno? We don't talk about Damien. <laughs> a lot of things you don't talk about when it comes to the Caroverse. One thing I wish we didn't have to talk about is this Hawk storyline that we meet um, Kendra and what's his name? Carter. 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 Honestly, let's just point out. They are in St. Roche, Louisiana. This is not, yeah, exactly. No Kendra slander here. No, no Kendra slander. We will slander Carter to our heart's content, but Sierra I, is a, is awesome and more power to her, and I'm glad she found happiness on Broadway because that girl deserves the best. I will say that I do love that um, one, the Hawkman short that came out during the COVID era, that was, that was some actually good content for Hawkman. That um, was good. Hawkman suffers off, I think, of we don't know what to do with this man. It honestly and does I not go, help that he dies. In I the could end go of- into ideas I have, but I'm not going to do that because otherwise we'd be here a while. Well, let's think about So, like, this episode is written by, we should uh, start with that in pilot part one and part two, or written by Greg Berlanti, who helped write, uh, basically create the Arrowverse, Mark Guggenheim. We don't talk about him either. Uh, Andrew Kreitzberg. We don't talk uh, a lot about our him. good friend, Phil Clemmer. Phil. Good old Phil. We want to Phil. Like Phil. Mr. Writer at this point. Phil, Phil, we want to meet Phil in the Denny's parking lot a lot. If, yeah, if you've ever seen Book of Boba Fett, you remember the Major Domo character that never got a name? He looks and sounds exactly like Phil Clemmer. This is not a joke. We'll put a picture on our Twitter but this, they are the same man. You cannot tell me otherwise. Worst joke, I've, worst joke we've ever made, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> but he does look so, like Phil. As our standard, these are our writers. So these are just kind of like the people who kind of helped first set the cast. They also helped with the um, crossover that served as the backdoor pilot. And they just don't know what to do with the Hawks. They never knew what to do with them. Because Kendra, uh, this is season two of Flash, is dating Cisco at this point, And then she's just a barista, guys. And, and then she gets kidnapped by Carter. A few he months ago, me. I was a barista. Which, yep. can you please give her a better line than that? Please, we have to keep a, I was a, keep a, I'm a barista count for this. That was the first time. I have started it. But yeah, that's one of the things to talk about is that like, we can just get into the Kendra and Carter right now. So just as a little backstory, if you don't remember, because they also made this backstory impossibly complicated for no reason. So Kendra is Shaira and um, Carter is Prince Khufu. And they were, um, he was a prince in ancient Egypt and she was a priestess of Horus. They were in a love affair and were discovered Ooh. at the time by what's Vandal Savage's Hothset. Hothset. I'll talk about this in a second. Thank you. But Hothset discovered them during their affair and ended up killing them both. 
he was uh, in a jealous. jealous rage when the meteor came and struck all of them as Chiara prayed to Horus to keep them safe. So what this means is that all three of them are locked in this immortality struggle or Vandal Savage will live forever. Kendra and Carter will reincarnate because in order to maintain his immortality, Vandal Savage has to kill them. And he has done this 206 times in the past 4,000 years. Again, I always feel sorry for Kendra to have to continue to do this because they a look like the same people. And I still wonder, how are they same gender after rebirth, after rebirth, after rebirth? Yeah, it's like this, uh, they made this backstory, as I said, um, ridiculously this complicated was, for no this reason. This was 2016. We yeah, weren't 20... as far ahead as we are to the point in Legends that we are now back then. Yeah, because there's no like, there's no version of Kendra that wasn't gay somewhere along the line. This is also Arrowverse, so the whitest man you have ever seen in your <laughs> life is playing Ramesses the Second um, in Egypt. Thought we wouldn't notice. Probably thought we wouldn't notice, but like that'll be a theme, or that is a theme. And Arrow is like this character is supposed to be a different race than the one that we've cast. We're not going to mention. Well, I am going to mention that white canary. Um, which is the mantle that Sarah takes up, which, yeah, it does sound great, is taking up the white canary. She doesn't have to wear a mask uh, like the black canary. Uh, white canary is an uh, Asian woman in DC Comics, and they always said they were two different characters, but why not just make something else up? Don't know. There will be a lot of hot takes. Can we yeah. back? Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I would like to backtrack because we did skip two legends being introduced before Kendra and Carter, uh, Martin Stein and Jefferson Jackson, the parts of Firestar. How dare we? I'm so sorry because they they are the best. They are the best. I I wrote this down because I thought this was interesting. um, And I was wondering, because when we're first introduced to Martin Jackson, they're in Pittsburgh um right after some guy who's shooting bullets in a factory and sign you can hear say that 83 percent of the chemicals in the factory are combustible combustible and i'm sitting here wondering like dude how do you calculate it that fast i need like he's a physicist yeah i know but still it's like wow you know that also uh, spitballness also i like to point out martin stein is actually played by a jewish actor Yay. Also, I don't know if you noticed, but when they when they're like running the actors' names, Victor Garber had top billing in this pilot episode. As he should. As, As he, he should. should. Victor Garber, uh, for people who don't know, what are he's been in tons of things. You might know him as the ship's architect in Titanic. Also, uh, previously, just was in Hello Dolly not that long ago. Was, was he an alias Hel- too? Yes, he was an alias. He was also. Um, if anyone's seen Legally Blonde, he is Professor Callahan. Goals. <laughs> and he is also um, the Prince Prince Charming's dad in Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella. He is Brandy. now currently yeah. doing a voiceover in The Simpsons of Smithers' boyfriend. He is! Yes. Oh, I forgot about that. So Victor Garber, we love him. But we also want to talk about Jax because I think Firestorm is such a great character concept 
that does not get the time on screen. With all this time we've spent talking about the Hawks, we should have been talking about Firestorm because they have such a great concept and character of one being the brains of the operation and the other having to be the physical form. And it's probably really hard, and you could tell it's hard on Jax to have Martin constantly talking and talking and talking in his ear when he's just trying to get something done. And really, I mean, that goes for anyone just here. I mean, anyone who's ever had a mentor or someone, you know, like you can have a good relationship, but there's still aspects of the time where they will get on you. And it's just like, you know this, you understand this, but you kind of just want that respect given to you. And I know that Martin comes from a good place because again, we have to remember that Jack's lost a father. Mm-hmm. And he was only raised by a mother, so it's he kind of takes the father role in that situation as well. There's a lot that they could learn from each other, and we'll discuss that as it goes on because, quite literally, they're from two different backgrounds. Mm -hmm. We love Firestorm here. We love Firestorm here, and then we have to talk about our last two legends. Oh yeah, MVPs of season one uh sorry spoilers for this podcast they are the mvps of season one um <laughs> leonard snart and mick rory honestly <laughs> goals the first time you meet leonard he goes how else are we gonna get away we have to pretend to be fathers getting diapers yes. for our kids i mean and no mention of well the cops are gonna think they're gay fathers but that's okay because oh it's so good the, fa- the fact that um you always have to love the team of, of Wentworth Miller and Dominic Purcell. Oh, I yes. think Dom Classic. got that part because of Wentworth Miller, actually. I don't remember for sure. But they are, you know, like they're um, also, yeah. Also, also I one of the best parts of Legend season one. I, the funniest part about that whole thing is like their conversation of how like they don't want to go there don't aren't we just thieves we don't want to work they're the best why did we become thieves mick because we love because we love money and hate working i said that backwards but it's the same honestly but this is how we all should feel (laughs) it's amazing goals life goals go ahead kate i do absolutely appreciate um and it's kind of odd in how Rip goes so well because he technically kidnaps them all. He just he flashes he flashes up with a mind flasher. He's not taking his clothes off. Honestly, he has, I, this, he has this like it's like a taser, but if if but it's like a flasher like the, that takes you out. Which they it's said like they the don't have a flasher. It's like from the man. It's like from Men in Black, but yes. yeah, yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't take your memory. But away. we have to recall that two members of this team did not want to go along. Kendra did not want to go along and neither did Jax. Let's talk about this quickly. So we get in Mm -hmm. um, let's talk first about how Rip Hunter is annoying. Uh, We love, listen (laughs) I am the first person to say that I love Rip Hunter. I love characters that are the worst and Rip Hunter takes all these people that he's kidnapped to this roof and lies to their faces. He shows up a horrifying projection of the future. Literally, he comes in like Swagger's like, oh, I'm from East London. And the future. It's his cool boy monologue. 
And then um, it was like, this close yeah, to my mom. It, it was. And then it was like, Rip Hunters, Amy, but, but you, you guys are heroes of this whole thing. And everybody knows He's your name. He is. He's P.T. Barnum. Come on. Because then, as, we, as people are discussing, like, oh, do we want to go on with this? Two people, as you mentioned, specifically say they don't want to go. Kendra wants to just live her life because, mm-hmm. guys, That's she's fair. just a barista. She's, she, she got, she, what, she's been doing this for, like, about three months or something, she says. And, like, honestly, that's a huge life change. I mean, you go thinking, okay, this is my life. I have, it's normal. There's this weird stuff happening in Central City. And then you find out, it's like, I'm actually reincarnated. I've reincarnated 207 times. Or 206. I'm not sure how. I'm, they, I'm, it's 207 sure times how. reincarnated. They've been killed 206. Okay, wouldn't the first life, does the first life count as a reincarnate? That first life doesn't count as reincarnation, though. If we start applying logic to legends, we've lost. I try and apply logic in my life, but. You know what? It'll it's never a major, work. It's a major life change. I mean, you go, think you have, and then you're being told, okay, you're this guy's soulmate. And you end up going off with him. And honestly, like, I don't. That can really drive, that can do a lot to your mental state. I mean, and, you, and just hearing that the guy who's trying to kill you is actually still alive and he can still kill you. I don't blame her for wanting to get the heck out of town. And also she, I would do just, the same. she just broke up with um, Cisco to go with Carter, who she hardly kind of doesn't know. She has these memories, but she doesn't really know, know him. It's like, guy's kind of a stranger. Uh, and I'd like to... I would like to also mention that um, Jax is feeling the same thing. Jax has only been doing Firestorm for a few months, maybe less. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, and we had the Flash just still good. Yeah. And honestly, Uh, he was. It was after Ronnie died too. Yeah, and so Stein basically tells Jax, we're going to go on this adventure. And when Jax refuses, Martin drugs him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was, yeah, I was like, oh. It's not great now that I've realized. Rewatch this is, like, it's just like, uh, okay, I'm just saying. Which is a little suspicious that two of our characters color are brought along kind of against their will. I was gonna I mean, say both characters of color against their will yeah, are brought yes. to this time. It's true, and then we I'm have like terrible. the only one who actually approves of this is Mick, and you should never ever listen to Mick. If Mick ever. approves, there's a ninety-five percent chance it's not something you should be doing. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to take a pause because there's one more character we haven't talked about. Uh, so why are all of these legends? Uh, boarding this ship well rip hunter tells them they have to stop the immortal dictator vandal savage from rising to power in the year 2166 2166 thank you in the second blitz in in london because vandal savage um murdered his wife and son personally yeah that, that that all came out later when he's talking about how 
uh, when he finally gets cornered in, in his lie. And it's like, when Kendra punches him in the face. Yes. Which, and again, he, he admits power. that, um, okay, he, he admits that, you know what, you're not heroes. You're not important to history. I just pulled you because you're insignificant. And, to, and then they're like, well, what the heck? well, what's your deal with Daniel Savage? What's your big gripe with him? Because it can't be that he took over the entire earth. And then he goes into that, the Time Masters, which he belonged to, they, um, let me look at my notes here. Um, they sat this down. Way, yeah. This- I mean, honestly, Rip is for Rip. It's not like he's like, I want to save the universe. He's like, no, I just want to save my wife and kid. I am. Uh, he said he says they are against personal entanglement and procreation. Both They're of Jedi. which Rip decided to vote. <laughs> They're Jedi. The Rip is the opposite. This is our of. first Star Wars reference that this, is happening. This is also our first Rip Hunter gets around moment. This man gets around <laughs> on this show. Before John comes on this scene, Rip is our Brit in a coat. Yeah, from left true. to right. They both have trench coats. But yeah, so he mentions that because Vandal Savage, I'd like to take a quick moment, because they absolutely botch Vandal Savage in this show. So much. Because so we mentioned I gave like that quick backstory, which again is very long and complicated. So in the comics, I'm resident DC comic expert here. I've been reading DC comics since I was a kid. So I've just accumulated a lot of knowledge, but Vandal set. Um, there is a half set in Hawkman, Hawkgirl lore, and it's not Vandal Savage. <laughs> they combined both Vandal Savage and half set to make this weird, weird show plotline work. And it's weird because the original origin of Vandal Savage is just a caveman who found a big glowing rock. That fell from space, and At least he's just they had the glowing rock. Didn't he? He just he wanted to be warm. That's all he wanted to do. He just That's wanted, all he to, wanted get to get warm. And instead, he ends up waking up, evolved, and he's ready to take on the world. This you say that like he's about to go on his Sex in the City moment, but if he, when well, in reality, he did. Okay, well you're he's right. Ready he gr- he's ready to grow. He's ready to grow. He just, just wanted to be Samantha. Let's not lie. He wanted to be oh Samantha. God, oh my god! Vandal Savage as Miranda Priestly. <laughs> yes. Groundbreaking. <laughs> so can we Both. call it Savage in the City? <laughs> Groundbreaking. That would have but been anyways, interesting. So that's why they've watched Vandal Savage, um, kind of like as a character. So they've set him up as the immortal, and the next time we see him in this show. Um, well, this is important actually because in the previous crossover that we keep alluding to, uh, they destroy Vandal Savage. Uh, they use the scepter of Horus, uh, with the Hawks and Oliver and Barry and the whole Malcolm team. Merlin. I don't know if Merlin Merlin wasn't there for that. He was just there to like stand in the shadows. He, for all he, he was, I am gonna and so, like, they turn point. Vandal Savage to Ash, and then Malcolm Merlin comes in at the end of the episode and scoops him into a little jar. Never to be mentioned again. Now, Rip says that Vandal Savage can be brought back with a single, if there's even a single cell of him left, which is a great concept. We don't see any. I have a question, though. 
Is it a living cell or a dead cell? He never specified. He didn't specify. And then, like, Ew. Merlin scooped him up in a freaking jar. So how did he get out? Merlin, John Constantine with Satanic's bones on him. And then there's the possibility was- that Merlin might have snorted him <laughs> or drank him. His hair is probably so greasy. With all that dandruff. I, Merlin, like, did a did a line of Vandal Savage and then brought him back. <laughs> he really totally did. I mean, that's like, yeah, he did. Yeah, they don't really tell us why he did so, or if they did, it's in another episode of season four of it's Arrow. Marlin, but on, let's knows? be honest, we never paid attention to season four of Arrow. But so that's why they've brought um, how Vandal Savage comes back. And as our quick little overview, we'll get into more themes later in the episode. But the most important thing to realize in this first episode is just that this team is terrible. Like, they it are is. awful at everything. And it's kind of that's great. fighting, because that's my favorite part, honestly. <laughs> if I was going to be a part of this team, I would have stuck with Sarah, Leonard, and Mick, because that just looked like a good time. Oh, that is the best. That that is um that is my all time favorite trio. It is classic to me, and um, it's it's great to see when they go to nineteen seventy nine. How 75. even though they're the ones that oh, pfft, I'm sorry, <laughs> I am the time master here. <laughs> <laughs> but um, how which is when they go to nineteen seventy five. Um, to to St. Roe to go visit Aldous Boardman, who we're referenced, who is also referenced in the crossover as knowing about Vandal Savage. Should they watch an old VCR of him or something? Yes, yes, I wanted to mention something very interesting about Mr. Boardman, Professor Boardman. He says that well, we find out that he is the son of um, Kendra and Carter in one of their past lives. Mm-hmm. Edith and Joe Boardman. Edith and Joe Boardman. And he mentions, like, I first knew you around the end of World War One. Does anyone know when this last season of Legends ended? World War One. Oh! I love coming out with that. I hope they know they've come full circle. In like, a, in everything a is full circle. We've been talking about this for, like, since the season ended. Everything seems to be going for a circle time is a flat circle all yes. connected but yeah so we meet um him but in the meantime and i think this is such a good piece of foreshadowing even if we don't realize it at the time is leonard and sarah and mick they're all out dancing and the song that mick puts on the jukebox is what's it called captain and tenille love, love will keep, love us, will keep together. us together it is I love will keep us together of this <laughs> And that just is the theme for Legends. Yeah, love. Uh, We'll keep us together. (laughs) Which we'll we'll talk about that in just a sec. But that bar fight scene is probably, that was in all the Legends trailers. If you watched anything on the CW, you saw that scene. And the way way Katie goes and says Leonard's name. You're like, Leonard. You want to dance, Leonard? That put me in an early grave. We should talk about this in our discussion of Sarah. Sarah was the first openly bisexual hero on superhero TV. 
there uh, we I looked it up. There's no one. I, I'm not talking about like any animation, but in especially live action TV, she. I think the closest like was way back when, and they never never really said it was Xena. To be honest, yeah. Even then, it wasn't like in your face. But yeah, for me, growing up during that time, it was her. But like, yeah, it was kind of vague and subtext. This was the first time it was yep. text. And this is also like the peak of not the peak because this is obviously it still happens. It had been happening for a long time. This is the peak of what I like to call like the barrier gaze era in the 2010s. This is when I think it, it they made that. Um, Gail Simone already made her women in refrigerators website and her file. Yeah, I think Tara had died at this point already. Tara had died. Um, this is right around. When all that stuff at the 100 went down, was that before or after? I swear that was after, but you could. It was just around the same time. It was my senior year of high school, and so I remember when Klexa happened. I I also I used to watch 100. Yeah, I I totally do. So like to see Sarah, I know, but to see Sarah come back really did at the time it meant a lot. And that is also a recurring theme that ended up happening on Legends is we like to say instead of Barrier Gates is like immortal. On Barrier Gates, we do that. It really is. And, but yeah, that that episode, the pilot part one was the formation of the beautiful Rogue Canary Trio, as I, as it was coined. Killer, Klepto, and Pyro. Uh, those are the days. And I do yeah. love how they came in to take care of a certain special someone. <laughs> oh, are we mentioning Kronos? Oh, yes, I am. Back at the time, nobody knew who Kronos was. Meanwhile, I think it was actually a different voice the- when it first started. Like a Super Friends announcement. Meanwhile, back at the Wave Rider, <laughs> Jax is there because he's like, I don't want to go back in time. Which, honestly, Jax... If we're being honest, the only person that has their shit together is Jax. I am here to just, if anyone remembers Timeless, which I do because I love my time travel shows. Is he the Rufus? Yes, he is the Rufus. I I always will appreciate um, Rufus's speech. Honestly, Rufus in time- is the best. Actually, I appreciate all of Rufus's speech in Timeless. I will not go into a Timeless rant because... That'll take way too long, but Rufus Carlin That's a bonus is one of my favorite. <laughs> we'll go into <laughs> Rufus Carlin was a great character to actually highlight. Like, hey, uh, there's problems here. If you are, if you're, if you are black, or you are, if you, basically, if you're not white, and yeah. that does get brought up, but he, but that was timeless. Really, did a lot bringing that up. Yeah, that's also something to think about is that this is 1975. This is like, um, but do we see, like, even when they're at, like, the university scene and we meet Young Stein, which, which is great, it's like, where is anybody else <laughs> of color in this show? And, and this they're was way there. after, yeah, and this is way after civil rights. So this is ten, This is a decade after this is also the yeah. like, liberation movement of, in the 70s. There was just yes, that you were, and so that's I mean, why, I'm, like, it's another no, thing of legends will both they'll drop the ball on this and then they'll work harder 
it's something that I have to say about Legends. Is sometimes they really screw up. It just is in the writing, not the characters. But yes, I can see that they do make efforts to go above and beyond. They well, maybe not above and beyond, but they make an effort to try and learn from their mistakes in writing. Um, I'm still hoping they won't learn a certain lesson. Hopefully, one yes. day. I'll get to that but, later. <laughs> but yeah, sorry to go on a tangent. Back to Kronos. Um, uh, our good friend, Ze- uh, Garazeb Aurelius. Kronos. He's We're voiced friends by... with Zeb at this podcast. We are. We are. Shout out RuPaul's Padres. Uh, love you guys. Um, but yeah, Steve Bloom, who voices um, Zeb in Star Wars Rebels, does the Kronos voice for this and one do, time because every time I, it replays it's another voice i do love that um when it takes off you have when the wave rider first takes off you have these two dudes who are staring after dudes these are well listen they're two frat guys one's not like one of those giant big pops they give a very frat guy vibe off and next thing they turn around and um they see chronos there and one of the guys like that is some serious Darth Vader. And so that's when and we get our first Wait a Star minute. Wars reference. Then that doesn't make any sense because Star Wars doesn't come out until 1977. This is 2016 that this happened when the Wave Rider was the party. Two people saw oh, yeah, yeah, she is off, correct. Which she also is correct. question. Oh, Stein yeah, you're right. You're right. Car there. Steinlitz is car there. What happened to the car? That was that a nice car. could have so too. many parking tickets. We also get our the second Star Wars. We get our second Star Wars reference with also. Yes, because then Kronos moves to attack the Wave Rider. Um, I love well, the Jack says, well, fire the photon torpedoes. I cannot do that without the captain present. I love this first little bit of interaction with Gideon and Jack. Yes, that's also a, a Star Trek reference. Yeah, uh, Jack's Trekkie. We love him. Yes. But then we so uh, when they're like, oh no, Kronos is going to kill us all because Ray has left his suit on. Oh, that's right. He uh, doesn't have his his. He um, has tech. Also, um, but yeah, but so we have so it's interesting. Also, Gideon was offering to sedate Jack Sue. That's another thing. Yeah, like, there's okay. a lot, lot of drugs here. A lot of drugs. There's a lot. Of, why are we talking about sedating people? I mean, I I'm no, I am not in the position uh, to speak. For to speak like as someone of, I don't know, I, I am white, so I can't really speak for these issues, but it just no, kind of makes me raise an eyebrow or two here. It is an issue that the two people of color in this episode both go against their will. Yeah. Um, that, and also, well, like yeah. with Kendra, it's like, it's still a, I mean, she's it's not nice. great. Yeah, it's, it's not, not great, great because she says, oh, so if I beat you, when he's like, you won't. That's gross. Little we'll get ladies. to that. <laughs> but but um, um, anyway, Mix, um, Len hits. Who's driving the car? Is it Len or Mick, Mick, Mick is driving the car. Mick drives. That's what I noticed. Mick absolutely. He comes rearing in in this nice red car, swings the background that they stole, wastes <laughs> Kronos. They all come out, and then you have Leonard coming with Boba Fett oh, reference. We Maybe. go out for one lousy drink, and you guys decide to pick a fight with Boba, Boba Fett. Fett. Proves that Leonard Snart is a Star Wars nerd. That's why Jackson's um, 
That's why Jack go off for one massive fight, and somehow you guys pick a fight with Boba Fett. And, Here's and, and we honestly, need to pause quickly yeah. and say, without Leonard Snart, I don't think this season would have been as good you as had one. to have Wentworth Miller. I Leonard Snart yeah. is the glue holding season one together. Let we all listen. I feel I can speak for the three of us with our um, Leonard Snart phase. <laughs> um, God, I still have a phase. What are you kidding? I still love. If you were we on <laughs> Tumblr or anything like for this initial Legends of Tomorrow, anything, Leonard Snart was the fandom bicycle. This man was with <laughs> everybody. It's we true. went on AO3. I could find a pairing of Snart and any one of the Arrowverse. I guarantee There is you. actually one of Leonard and John. I found that. I remember that ship. There's also a Leonard and Kendra pick out there. Well, it wouldn't make sense because I have to say this once again. Kendra gets passed from man to man to man during this season. Which we're oh, not going to drink this get yet, to that. but... <laughs> So it's not even like once that we have defeated Kronos and have driven off into space. We but have all to this with Kendra and Carter where she has flashbacks of them in a very, very steamy moment for the CW. Oh la la. A very steamy CW sex. This is like some Riverdale level stuff. Well, you know, Vandal just interrupts that, that too. Show. Also, I have to say that um, I the CW when the CW I wonder if this is their influence here with when the truth comes out and Martin and Jacks are talking. Jacks like you ever played football and just starts talking about how it feels great to be part of a team. And when I'm watching, all I can think of is the one Riverdale <laughs> line. <laughs> I think Riverdale. It was. It was like. It was. It was like being slapped across the face, and this predates Riverdale. Riverdale Honestly, came I do out love that line. Though. Like a year and a half after this, this is a better version of the. Riverdale. Yeah, that line is so good because he's like, it wasn't playing football; it was being part of the team, and even with uh, Mick and Leonard being knuckleheads that they are, yes, it, it felt like being on a team again and we have to remember that Jax blew out his knee and he wasn't able mm-hmm. to play football again and he lost his scholarship because of that so and he could that and, means everything yeah I mean he had he's he's Jax is very intel- Jax is intelligent like he had the grades I think that was brought up but he could not afford yeah. and that's a case with, and that's I mean that's a case that goes all Meanwhile, over that. so that's a case that happens with people to like bring this back to the episode, and I know like we we jump around because it's basically one long plot line. Compare that to the young Stein, who has won all these awards and is a little oh, shit. Yeah, honestly, though, <laughs> the, fun, the fun part of him flirting with Sarah is so much fun, though. He's like, "Do you want uh, to spark sexy. a <laughs> Do you want to spark a tubie and wrap when about she gets fizzle? high and then takes out all of Vandal's team? Oh, God, have a yes. good night. I appreciate. I appreciate. I do love that, but I have to say, one of my favorite things, and this is just this is me as a person, and maybe other people can relate to me, is that 
I fell in love with, I mean, we barely saw her, but I fell in love with Clarissa Stein watching The Flash. I've been, ever since we found out her favorite color was stripes, that's a fact that stayed with me. And I've just been like, this is, she's so cool. She's, she just, honestly, and, though, and, and yeah. Martin wife, loves his wife. wife so much that he's, he's like, you can't flirt with me. I'm meeting my wife this month. I'm setting an alarm for myself to, to wake up after you um, talked me, me in the head bong. with a bong. And uh, then he absolutely freaks out when he gets back on the ship after they. Um, yes, and his ring disappears. Get... Yeah, and honestly, like that's su- like you can like, and he says like that was one of the greatest moments of his life, okay. and I really appreciate that. It is. It is. I'm gonna go to my favorite part, which. Um was Leonard and Ray and Mick trying to rob a house and Ray just strolls on oh. and tries to go into the box and they're like you're stupid this is a dummy box pulled out of supremacy dummy box. like and I honestly was yes like- that was the beginning of Cold Adam, which, like, again, there there was a good dynamic of that, and I could totally see mm-hmm. it. It was such a good dynamic. Looking at the box, you could tell. Uh, I was like, I having worked with um, that kind of stuff before. I was like, I can tell this is just someone duct taped a cut yeah, of battery it, and I wires mean, together. The fact hey, that Ray your, is a doctor and didn't notice to places because you had small fingers and could rewire things oh like god oh <laughs> we get the i feel like because we know this more from the flash but we know that leonard's father was very abusive so we get another uh we hate lewis snart here yes we are not lewis snart fans but we learned that like he would take leonard onto his little trips and make leonard kind of disabled alarms for him which like how do you do that to a little kid i don't know but it's there, I mean, the start. unfortunately i'm not saying people do that but not every parent is a great parent no, and that's and, very unfortunate and we there's an episode later on in season one that's just Ugh, gets me every and time can, every time actually when we look at it overall if you actually consider we don't know much about Kendra and Carter's parents we know Jack's mother is very supportive we know Sarah's father is very supportive Ray we learn Ray learn Ray about Ray's family but we also learn um we'll come and learn more stuff about Martin and his experience with his father later on the line I'll say that for that episode um also yeah, just, yeah. also we, you I, know that mick's family kind of died in the fire so. yes we'll talk about that more because that comes out a lot more during this season but i want to backtrack because we haven't talked about like the opening of season of this episode oh, yeah we're like, on pilot um, two at this if point we, if we were tying this in always sunny episode it's like the gang tries to buy a nuclear bomb um oh, so they all break into this arms auction <laughs> da, 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 da. um and Stein is such a jerk this whole time. It's very funny to watch Stein be a tough guy. It's so great. The, the, I do love the intro, how Leonard's ready to pickpocket his way in. Um, On my mother's side. We do, lo- we, do, we do love that. And then Stein comes in like a force of nature and just absolutely 
goes full on diva on this guy's like yeah which mick does mention you are crazy but i you're a special kind of crazy crazy, but i love your crazy also we have the cameo of a future a present arrow villain and a future legends villain a this is also hero. significant again i said sadly four episodes from that episode uh, from the pilot the first yes part of the we will talk about damien dark wow. who apparently dark. again there's a for- thing about nazis and arrowverse for some reason i don't know what this reason is but yes we meet damien dark when mick says yeah tell mass um, your master race here is starting to piss me off which again mick is all about uh, not liking cops and not liking Nazis, so this is why I like Mick a lot sometimes. <laughs> this is like one of the first Arrowverse fight scenes, and it's kind of uh, underrated moment that we haven't mentioned is when Stein tries to leave, and it's like you should come out now, and it says what do you mean? I wasn't talking to you. And then Ray <laughs> comes out of his pocket. That's so good. Yeah, that's I so also- good. I do the auction scene is really interesting because um you have me you have the guns fired and then Savage sees them and he automatically knows like oh hey these guys look kind of suspicious and they end up firing the gun they buy the nuke and then they realize oh wait something's wrong and See- you have dark in front of him and then Martin ever so cheekily says I'm a nuclear power which <laughs> This is pretty good, but then Savage absolutely just like turns it over. Like, okay, listen, if you kill these guys, I'm gonna give you a discount. I who love is the, who is not motivated by a discount. I, I love about we, Savage working at Macy's. I know, love his yeah. <laughs> Honestly, moment. I'm sad. Everything we must go. Yeah, we. I'm Randall sure we Savage didn't get to see him fight. Era. Have sure you ever seen? Like um, like J.C. Penny near me used to have like, hey, like it's a fifty percent off sale if you come in between the hours of twelve a.m. and three a.m. Yes. I think you could fight Vandal Savage in a J.C. Penny at two a.m. I'm just I feel like that's we where he would be. That is I'm a lawless just, land. Yeah, I'm sad we didn't get a fight because like I'll bring this up in the uh, crossover. He had this cool little fan that we never see again, and it's sad because it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Vandal Savage canonically does the Mulan fan trick (laughs) with a knife. Yeah, but we don't, weirdly, didn't really see him fight much. He's a terrible (laughs) fan, but he has a great fighting style. Because let's just talk about Vandal Savage to like kind of round out, because we've pretty much touched on all the main aspects. But so we learn like in the crossover, Vandal Savage taught Houdini how to escape from handcuffs. We learn in this episode, like within the pilots, that like, yeah, Vandal Savage is on par with, what does it say? It's Caesar, Hitler, Per Degaton, who we get into later. I, I will get into bring later. I, that, I have to say, when I first saw Per Degaton, I'm like, Bernadette. oh, I know Caesar, everyone knows Hitler. And then I was like, Per Degaton, like, wait, who the heck is this guy? I know my history. Who is this guy? And then it's like, oh, he's, he's in the future. Interestingly um, enough, he was there during Ferdinand, which, again... Yeah, let's mention this. He says, like, who whispered in the ear of Gaspar... Yes, the guy who assassinated assassinated Ferdinand. And, um, spoilers for, um, seven seasons. Um, 
we later end up at that site and we don't see him there. We'll talk about that later on, but I just like to bring up how Legends does not know its own continuity. If you uh, watched the hundredth episode and were following the twi- uh, like uh, the writers' room Twitter, they specifically shouted out the Legends of Tomorrow wiki because we're helping them write the episodes because it's not even that that they don't know what they wrote is that a lot of them left. Yeah, yeah. A lot of the people from season one left, and we won't go into the situation, but a lot of them are gone. It's interesting, and I think it does account for the tonal shift too. But also, it's interesting with when we. I, because I'm a history nerd, and that's partially, partially why I got into this show. Um, this is why I kind of like time travel shows. I like to see how they have these takes on history, as ever grossly inaccurate they portray them. But I mean, you see pictures of Savage all throughout history. Um, and I remember we saw one of him at JFK's assassination. Yes. And, and all I could think of was like, wow, all the time travels were here for that one. Who? So. Who was the one who did it? Was it a time traveler? It was Magneto and Bucky Barnes and Diego. Also, I, I, I want to bring up the, the, the Hargreaves kids. Yeah. yeah, I will also bring an interesting point up that is also brought up is fixed points. Is Rip's family a fixed point dying? Like them dying? Yeah. Is that a fixed point? Did the time race put the Time Masters there? keep it intact so Vandal Savage does what he does it's an interesting question because we don't get into fixed points until later yes but I, I ha- do one have to wonder about this the thing about Legends is that in itself it's not repetitive but it's cyclical like we see some of the same tropes and the same themes come up an hour and not like- to be a uh, uh, broken record but it kind of brings into that that phrase that everyone knows history repeats for those who got to learn from it yes which i'd like to actually talk about that because we see stein um throughout this episode struggling with himself and his reaction to younger stein you, you want to take this one yeah i i just wanted to like introduce uh, to set up for the rest of us is this idea is that Martin has a line where he says, obviously, I've never learned. He says, how can I have lived so long and I still haven't learned anything? Like, I'm still the same obnoxious kid in college. Just like... Plus pot. Plus pot. But honestly, yeah, because I think it's like, because nobody's ever really pushed Martin in a way, except we do learn later about his father but nobody really pushed him he was always in the smartest of the bunch he was always had the money to do whatever he kind of wanted so nobody pushed him out of this comfort zone he had so it was like if you live a life of privilege how do you know anything different and that goes to the backgrounds of Martin and Jackson, why they're so different because Jax didn't live in that life of privilege. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, when Jax has a moment talking to Stein and talks about, well, you have learned these things. And I know that, yeah, you have similar traits from your past, but I, Jax believes, like, in change and he believes in what Stein can do. And I think that's such a great reoccurring theme that shows up. 
not to be like make you all sad but in this pilot episode it's like you're a legend don't you have to be dead to be a legend is this thing and we will go to our first death unfortunately with that segue which was (laughs) we lose carter in the second episode and lose carter oh no i am sad no, and but I feel so... like that's the reason we didn't care about him because, like, we literally lost him in the second episode. You killed like... him off too early to really get a chance to dive into the character, which I, which, I mean, for me, I, I love looking into characters and getting their motivations, and when you have characters who are not fleshed out, um. It's hard, yeah. It's, it's hard. We don't know that it's, much. It's disappointing to me as someone who really likes character analysis. And and the hardest part is the guy who plays Carter Falk is just like the nicest guy ever. And even he mentioned he thought there would be funnier stuff for Carter. So I don't think he expected Carter to be who they actually made Carter to be. We're gonna. I'm gonna bring up a lot about how season one, all of the women in season one, even Sarah, who is probably the most fleshed out female character, they're all written in the same cool girl, TM style. Yes. They're either that or they're dead. I, I mean that. Like they're, they have nowhere else to go in their story. And so with Carter, it's interesting because. Mm-hmm. We've technically had Carter for four episodes, like in the whole Arrowverse, but he never gets a chance to be caring. He is always pushing Kendra. Like we talk about, like someone pushing Stein. He's always pushing Kendra. Like you've got to remember, like this is who you are. Blah 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 blah. He has that weird moment where she has that flashback to them, like during their Riverdale sex scene, and he's like, "Yeah, let's make out." (laughs) She says, "What?" And she's like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and then like. also, he, this. he read the, like the poem gets read on the knife, and she goes, "Oh, it was a love poem." And yeah. even then, it didn't feel like a connection because, again, we don't know anything about him. So when he dies, it's kind of like, "Well, I didn't know this guy," so it doesn't have the emotional impact it should. Because the you. only moment. Carter and they never push on this again is when she tells him like listen it's not that I'm afraid of my past I'm afraid of loving you because I don't have this connection that we have and so there is one moment in four episodes where he says well listen I guess I take that for granted you've always fallen in love with me the other 206 times but it's a big expectation and that's wrong for me to think that so but he says I think you, but I know that you are a person that's worth waiting for. Yes, that was a good, good, good part. And, but then, but then they cheapen it because they do it right before Carter dies. And then, and then after, right after he dies, she goes, I remember how I feel about him. So cheesy. It's written so poorly. I want to say something about that because what I, because remember, um, sorry, Carter gets, so Carter basically stabs Vandal, we'll say the poem, and then I had to applaud Vandal slightly because it is boss move. He pulls the knife out. He forces Carter's hands to pull the knife out of him, flips it around, stabs Carter, 
And then turns and he goes to Kendra and he's like, I'm a force of destiny. I am a servant of fate, blah, blah, blah. Even monologue, I love you. I have to do this. Stabs her, please. And then, and so Kendra was basically dying. And, yes. you know, if you were, when you're dying, I feel like, um, I mean, I haven't really been close to dying before, but. I would, but I feel like that's a giant, but losing someone like that, I feel like you do have a giant emotional release happening. So I, I think I can't, I'm not a hawk expert, but I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a head doctor, but I feel like it was like an emotional release coming out. Like things, maybe you're not that someone dies and you remember all the good things about them and maybe you don't always mm-hmm. think of the flaws. They're a complicated person. No, I really like that. And like to that point of, again, they made it so complicated for Vandal Savage. And then character. we didn't get that it should be Kendra until the end where he goes, this is your lover's blade. I can only die if she kills me. Which wouldn't be so bad on its own. It just makes everything usually the thing with vandal savage i'm vandal stanvidge over here um i think vandal savage is uh i read a lot of media about vandal savage because i I like to think of him as like the spongebob how many times do you have to teach you this lesson old man kind of mentality i think he's very annoying and that's why i enjoy reading about him so that when um he does that he's usually just an immortal caveman like he's just running around like you can't do anything even if you want to Uh, And I'll sprinkle in more facts as we go through this podcast. But so then by adding this knife uh, wrench, it's just throwing another wrench into the works. So I think just to sum up our feelings overall, because even though the legends decide we're going to go on this journey for Carter... I love yeah, he's the unicorn Carter, horse, and they have weird, never talked known for two days. <laughs> they have never talked to Letters, Carter. Letters, I've, like, sums that out two days that I'm goes, going to go on a journey of vengeance for him. You know what? Yeah, I love Leonard's line of, like, we didn't know this guy. I'm just summarizing, but you know what? We're going to go after his, like, exactly. Yeah, thought. But, like, as to sum up, and I think this is something I'll, we'll say at the series of the line, this feels like a rough draft. Yes. It's a rough draft that they filmed and produced and put money into. But you can tell put there together are just by dumb. And like all rough drafts, there's good in there. I'm not there's good in there. Yeah. There's things we like, but at the same I mean, time, there are things, and this happens with all media that have not aged well. Uh yes. And I, I will you say you, the, the characters, yes, but we still there's a lot of the characters you still get the love and you still want to know a lot about them. You want to know about Jackson Martin's relationship. You want to know more about Sarah and how she's dealing with being alive again. Because mm-hmm. that is a whole mm-hmm. other bag of problems. That'll we come wanna, out blood. Like, That's honestly, the, the even though Rip's thing. a jerk, you want to know what, you know, his motives and what he needs so badly to get this done for. We know his first, you know, his wife and kid, but yeah, you know. like to wrap up, guys, we say this is a rough draft, but one of the most beautiful moments in this episode is Rip taking Stein outside of that mixer 
showing him like I called your younger self and said you should go to that mixer and it turns out one of the professors brought his niece and it's Clarissa yeah. and he's Rip says it's not fair for you to lose your wife yes helping me get mine and back. then he says something really he says something that's really profound too he says I he says that he tells Mar that he that he's that Time Master is like because Time Masters see themselves above humanity is something that's stated but he, but Rip tells him that he think that he believes the purpose is that there are, that humans and well actually time masters are here to learn, and he tells Martin to be glad that he he still can. Yeah, Rip says time changes, but people don't. Mm-hmm. And they went into the whole thing, which we kind of skipped over. Was time takes it takes time to cement. Like oh, this is our first you, mention of time is like cement. I forgot. Oh! Um, time is like cement. It takes a while to set in. So whatever mistakes they made, they can undo it until time but decides it, it sets. So it also gives off a lot of heat when it sets, too. Yeah. Which can kind of all the messes that they get themselves in. He also forgot the awesomest, awesomest thing of Jax literally taking that nuclear bomb and just like, yeah, like, so let's just do I'm top sorry. moments for that. Uh, we did the two-parter for um, this episode. As we go on, it's just going to be one episode um, per podcast. But so what's everyone's top moment from these two episodes? If you pick one moment that's like, yeah, this is why this show was good. That's a hard one. I'd say it's probably a tie. Well, someone else say theirs first. I'll go. I would say for the pilot, um, not to be basic, but my favorite moment was the Rogue Canary bar fight because that assembled my favorite trio in probably the history of the whole show. Pilot part two, I... It's a toss-up moment for me between um, seeing young young Stein and old Stein kind of have it out with each other and all that stuff. But also, I do love watch. I do love the arm seal opening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Eden. I, I'll I'll start with I am the biggest Lennon Schnart fan ever. So, um, mine <laughs> is actually him talking to Ray in that jail cell and telling him. Like he goes, yes. you could have been an electrical engineer, and he goes, "Why?" Because <laughs> he, because him himself would find that boring, because he's mm-hmm. not like that person who wants to live a nine to five life with somebody, and he just wants to rob, and that's fine. And then uh, for the second episode, it is literally them smoking pot with um young yeah. Stein while he kind of brags. And also that throwaway line of um, Martin saying that he's Elon Musk is just hilarious. <laughs> yes, <laughs> anytime I love when the legends bring like a modern reference to I, old times. What my favorite one comes up later this season, yeah. but yeah, I love nice, like, when Elon time Musk. travel shows do this. It is a it is a silly trope, but it is my favorite. Yeah, if I had to pick like one, so one from episode one, um difficult because there's a lot of good scenes honestly i feel like that opening with vandal savage it it's interesting because it doesn't set the tone for the whole show it really doesn't 
the show changes so much from then. You're like, whoa. But for a show to open the first five minutes with child murder is really like a bold choice. And I love Casper's <laughs> acting and the kid that plays Jonas that does such a excellent. good job at yeah. spitting. Uh, like he spits on him. And he's like, oh, so do you take, like, your mother was brave and your father was foolish. Which are you? Oh, yeah, that is good. He did so not appreciate Casper Fromm's performance. Casper, as we'll Savage talk about enough. this later. We, we stand Casper, seriously. We're Vandal Stanvage over here. Uh, but then for episode two, I think it really is that end when Martin sees his young self go with Clarissa. That is just such a sweet thing. Just the, like, time travel he says i'm so wrapped up in time travel and what it can do and like what are my consequences and it's um i feel like that's a lesson i think that that is a lesson that definitely comes up later after because you know what happens later on because he learns that lesson again so this is a recurring theme with martin yeah and so i i think that's a really beautiful moment of um like what the i think that's genuinely like what the show is about is about it's the bar fight scene of like love will keep us together is the reoccurring theme of legends is that it's always love that bonds them and you see that with that you see that with the hawks even though um that's not maybe the best well you can also see it with literally you have two thieves running from a car to save people they cannot stand to help out these are like Barry Allen's biggest villains, and they come out to help people they don't like. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it comes to the theme of found family, which, again, it doesn't happen right away, but as the season goes on, you find it. just our first recap we're gonna try and have little segments as we go on but i thought it would be fun to do a segment because apart from seasons one and two this show very quickly stops being comic accurate at all um it just stops caring which is for the better but we'll get into that but i thought it would be fun because legends is known for having wacky fun concepts even though the first two episodes don't have any of those but I thought it'd be nice to hear about some of our characters from these episodes, what they get up to in the comics. So here is, could I write for DC Comics? I am going to present my other two hosts with a fact and a storyline from canon. And they are going to have to tell me if it is a real canon fact or I just made the whole thing up. This is going to be fun for me because I don't read the comics. <laughs> I'm, I, I've only read Hellblazer, so we're, good, we're in for it. We're good. <laughs> I, I can get started with our first one. In one DC comic run, uh, Vandal Savage stops Thomas and Martha Wayne's deaths from the hands of that mugger by chasing him off when he sees him by the side of the road. Thomas and Martha are so grateful for their lives being spared, that they later reward him with a position at Wayne Enterprises. Only for 15 years later, Vandal Savage to murder them both himself 
once they learn of his plan to use Wayne Tech to steer that meteor back to Gotham. Why does this sound real? I mean, I would- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna I call Bull. I call I real. Call Is this true or did I make it up? I'm calling true. That's a lot of crap. It, Eden says fact, I say crap. Eden. Yes. You are correct. You know this is from the DC comic run Dark Knight Dynasty, where ta- where Vandal oh Savage canonically has had beef with the Wayne family lineage since um, 1500 AD. You know and what? If it's I outlandish, it's usually pissed. true. If it's outlandish, it's usually true. Usually. There's All a right. limit. Yeah, so then that comic, it's not just like he has beef with them in the 1500s and then this Thomas and Martha Wayne thing. Then in 2500, he has to fight with the next, with whatever the, the descendant of that is. And they eventually, she eventually kills them. Good for when her. Humans, Good for her. <laughs> it's a future where humans and the apes have all, con- uh, like, we have a society together. Oh, so Planets of the Apes happened. Okay, good. Kind of. All right. So Eden has one point. All right, our next fact. In the comic run from the 90s, the mystic Rasputin is actually a disguised Vandal Savage. His I bastard, believe that. His bastard son with the Tarina, Tarina, Leonid, is later engaged to former Amazonian warrior Phaedra, so as to produce like this ultimate heir of savage blood and Amazon warrior. When Leonid tries to leave before the wedding, Savage murders him and takes his form at the wedding using magic. But the wedding is stopped by Wonder Girl, who is able to save the day. Is that true or did I make it up? The Rasputin part sounds true, but I feel like I'm going to call crap again. I'm going to call crap. Yeah, I made that up. <laughs> that was really yes! good to make up, though. <laughs> I, the I Rasputin part was the most realistic sounded, because honestly, I feel, I, sometimes I, Honestly, if you think about what the legacy of Rasputin, if you're going to adapt it to comics, it does fit. It like, does fit. That would was Vandal Savage Rasputin. I feel like he's probably mentioned somewhere around there. But I took that last part just from an episode of Justice League Unlimited. Maybe they were drinking buddies. It's not really true, but I just Rasputin. Oh, you're going to have right. to get used to so, this. <laughs> Here's another, well, while we're on a Batman kick, or no, let's go to a different one. <laughs> uh, I have many of these. So Rip Hunter in the comics has had many beginnings and ends to his life. It's all kind of shrouded in mystery for reason. During, uh, depending on canon. Now, during Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, Rip dies after blowing up the moon in 2995, thus saving the timeline as timeline like dictated. This had to happen for the timeline to be safe is for Rip to blow up the moon to save us. The question is, was Gwyn on this moon? I mean, like, at this point. We have our moon rule, though. We gotta think about the moon rule. I know. Oh, oh. God, I hope this. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna call true. I'm gonna go true, too. Uh, I made that up. No! No! 
I made that up, uh, but that is uh, um, one of Rip's linear men in the comics. That's actually his end. It's just not Rip that does that. Somebody else does have to die because he blows up the moon. Rip's the linear men. We're different. (laughs) We're different. All right. In order to ensure that Batman exists in the future, Rip Hunter instructs Booster Gold, who is um, Rip's father, we'll talk to that later Daddy. hunter instructs booster gold to dress up as killer moth to stage a robbery in order to prevent a time criminal from interfering with batman's timeline because the time criminal was the one supposed to do the robbery so however booster gold is too good at his job and beats batman robin in that fight and so when they return to the present um, there is no Batman, but Killer Moth is the lord of the Gotham underworld because he defeated the Batman. Why do I think this is true? Why? It is probably not, but it's true. Uh, 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 I, oh, it's, oh, it's, uh, I'm going to say false. That's true. That is a true Dang thing. Dang it! Happened. I should have gone. Ah, dang it! Always go with your first instinct. So who has how many? I'm not, Eden has I'm not two. good at tech. Eden has three. I have one. Wait, did Eden get the moon one? No, Eden and I both got the Rasputin one. All oh, right, the Rasputin one. And then I got the first one. one. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Right. I, I'll do. Um, you want to do one or two more? Uh, we can do two more. Okay. Uh, in order to... Oh, wait, I read that one. So, Per Degaton, oh we hear our later dictator, his longtime lover is the time-traveling robot Mechanique, who promised him the secrets of time travel if he assisted her in preventing the All-Star Squadron from defeating her. The All Squadron, a squadron, is made up of Hawkman and Adam and a few other guys. Um. When the their attack fails, however, uh, Degaton saves her head from the wreckage, and they continue their affair for another five years. I'm gonna say fake. I'm gonna say true. That sounds about right to me. If it's you're gonna true. save a head, it's true. I couldn't yeah! keep a poker face. I could not keep a poker face. I, we can say Rip and Paradegaton. That's we so love our weird. robot. Please like the stuff it out. Okay, there's a robot. They, they have human romance theme here. I mean, like, seriously. Well, he loves her, and then he kept her head so that it could continue being. I, I'm perfect. surprised they didn't bring this in with Gideon. Thing. Well, Gideon, well, what are you going to keep of Gideon? Well, Gideon doesn't really have, Gideon has a holographic head. What are you going to, how you got to, how you going to keep that around? We have to remember robots later. (laughs) Okay, so I'll do one more. While Sarah Lance is not the white canary from the comics, there are two significant similarities. Uh, She is an accomplished martial artist. And she once had a brief love affair with Helena Bertinelli, a.k.a. the Huntress. They began their affair when she asked Huntress to help her take down her father's criminal empire, which had ties to the Bertinelli crime family back in Gotham. However, this affair had to come to a brief end after the Infinite Crisis storyline, 
when Helena Bertinelli was abruptly changed with Helena Wayne, the huntress who is the daughter of Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. I don't know. I'm going to call true on this. <sighs> Shoot. Um, bullshit. That's bullshit. None of that is Dang true. it! She's, okay. an, she's a martial artist and her dad is a criminal. That's it. None Dang of it. that's true. All right, so let's do our final tally. So Eden got that one. Hold on, I gotta check. Is it like a tie now? <laughs> I feel no, like it's, it's it's two to four. I lost uh, accurately. All right, so let's just like keep a note. I am honestly just good at guessing. <laughs> all right, so we've written that down. So if you're playing along at home, keep track. We'll bring this segment back later on when we want to. Um, but I think. For today, or tomorrow, rather, or next week, this is going to be the end of the first episode of The Legends of Next Week. You can find us at our Twitter, which is at Week Legends, uh, week like days of the week, not like puny week. Uh, You find us at Week Legends on Twitter. And once again, I'm your host, Mary. I'm Eden. And I'm Kate. And we will see you sometime in the next week in our next edition of Legends of Next Week. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Bye.